Welcome to Mad Tales. Welcome back to Mad Tales. I'm James Nolan. It's summer 2022 as I record this in my not really little studio in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Before we get started, don't forget that Mungwort is out right now in a variety of formats, including ebook, paperback, hardcover, and of course, audiobook. Can't wait until next week to get to the next chapter? Don't want to wait until September to get to the end? Order Mungwort today. And now, on to the next chapter of Mungwort. The Dwarf, the Witch, and the Troll A leg rotting on a bedspring, blood and fluids dripping into a pan, terrible flowers shooting toxic clouds into the air, an exploding ball of fungus, skin sloughing off a face. Amana sat up in her cot with a cry. It's okay, it's okay, just a dream, it was just a dream. She rubbed her eyes, and her hands came away yellow. She looked down at her pillow. A thick layer of pollen coated it, her arms, her shirt, her pants all rhymed with the stuff. She shook her head, and it pattered all around. The night rushed back in. Cece, Ben. She swung her legs over the side of the cot, and her foot landed on something solid. The filter mask. She picked it up. The strap fell loose from the plastic buckle. Pollen crusted the inside. She tried to recall how she'd gotten back to the yurt, but came up blank. The last thing she remembered was running through the field, Cece crying out for her to stop, those weird flowers erupting with every step. Then she tripped and fell and woke up in her cot. A thought struck her, and she searched around with her hands. No, no, no. She got up, more pollen shaking loose from her hair and shoulders and drifting to the floor. She upturned her cot. Nothing. Her father's cot. Nothing. Where was it? With no other options, Amana knew she had to head out into Yurtville. If she was lucky, nobody would be up yet, and she could slip back out and try to retrace her steps. She put her hair up in a ponytail with one of her father's stray bandanas, dusted her clothes off, checked her image in the little mirror she'd hung from one of the tent poles, a streak of yellow from her temple to her neck. She licked her fingers and rubbed it off as best she could, rechecked the mirror. Better than nothing. Right before she left, she turned and grabbed the filter mask and shoved it into her back pocket, then pushed through the exit and into the morning light. Yurtville wasn't necessarily dead, but it wasn't necessarily crawling with workers. A few exited their yurts or stood in line for the shower. A couple were walking over to the field kitchen. The smell of bacon and eggs and coffee made Amana's stomach grumble. No time for that. She marched across the commons and ducked into Cece's yurt. It was empty. Back out into Yurtville. A boy she'd never seen before passed by on the way to breakfast, and Amana steeled herself. Counted to three. Excuse me, she said. The boy stopped and turned, a dopey, peaceful expression on his face, his eyebrows slightly raised. Can I help you? I'm sorry, but do you know the girl who's staying here? Girl? She's a little taller than me, short blonde hair, kind of a bitch. A troubled smile passed over the boy's face. I'm hungry. Aren't you hungry? What? 
There's bacon at the kitchen. No, listen, I need to find... Break your fast, avoid the lash. The boy sauntered away, leaving Amana alone and shaking her head. A door slammed behind her, coming from the direction of the main house. Warner and Mueller's raised voices floated out into the morning. She couldn't hear exactly what they were saying, but judging by the arms flung in the air and the jabbing fingers, they were not discussing what to have for breakfast. Told you to check her yurt, Warner yelled. Mueller folded his arms across his chest and leaned back onto the tailgate while Warner continued his tirade. Amana spun on her heel and turned her back to them. A small crowd of workers was heading over to the field kitchen, and she jogged over and blended in. When she was sure that she was out of the line of sight from the main house, she peeled off and aimed for the hoop house. If there is one thing most people can agree upon, it is the acceptable volume at which certain genres of music should be played. Rock and rap were to be cranked at maximum decibels. Country music, depending on the tune, somewhat lower. R&B and jazz were acceptable only at levels somewhat below the sounds normal people make when fucking. Smooth jazz was an abomination, and those who listened to it at any volume should have their ears revoked. Gypsy jazz occupied a place somewhat below the first, but well above the last. Choice of venue and age of audience matters, of course, for an ACDC cover band playing at full tilt on Bourbon Street might not go over as well as, say, Stefan Rembrandt. When it came to greenhouses, other than Mozart or perhaps Saint-Saëns, no music, from Armstrong to Coltrane to The Clash, should reach decibels higher than 70 even gypsy jazz. That was why, when Amana stepped into the hoop house, it was disconcerting to hear Django Reinhardt blasting from the back office at a level that would rattle even the stoutest Incas. Amana was a fan of music. She even liked what she was listening to as she tiptoed through the aisle. It was old, certainly, but the instruments, the violins, the acoustic guitars, the double bass, sounded warm and pleasing. They reminded her of her grandfather, who liked to listen to San Cubano while he gardened in the courtyard. But when Laszlo added his warbling disharmony to the mix, she did not like that. She did not like that at all. Once she heard the lyrics, though, she couldn't help but laugh. After you've gone and left me crying, he sang. After you've gone, there's no denying. You'll feel blue. You'll feel sad. You'll miss the dearest pal you've ever had. The music hit a break, and Amana called out. Hello? Laszlo? Laszlo sang on. There'll come a time, now don't forget it, there'll come a time when you'll regret it. The solos came in, frenetic, hyper, wild. She made her way to the back, letting the violin take its turn. At another break, she tried again. Hello! A crack, a bang, and a cartoonish zip of a record needle. Laszlo opened the door and peeked out. Hello, yes? What are you doing? Listening to After You're Gone by the Great Django Reinhardt. Why are you playing it so loud? Loud? Oh, yes, loud. It is an experiment. Laszlo opened the door a little more. You see, flora and fauna respond to reverberations in the air. Those less cultured think it has to do with the sweetness of the song, the timbre of the trill. But that is grievously inaccurate. Specific genres of music create more or less aggressive fluctuations in the atmosphere. Cannibal corpse, for example. Okay, well, Amana flapped her arms. I'm here to work, so what are we doing today? Work? Yeah, you know, work. Oh! Oh, yes, work! Work, work, work. Laszlo cast a look around. Aha! Here we are! Please to follow, please to follow. He led her down a few rows and into Cece's old area, the toxic plant area. So, how are you? Did you... Hmm... Did you sleep? Well... 
fine, I guess. Under his breath, Laszlo said, fine, she says, fine. Then louder, by chance, have you had anything to eat? The morning meal is the most important of the day, you know. Avoid the lash, break your, I'm not hungry. Hey, did I leave a black backpack in here yesterday? Laszlo thrust his hands into his lab coat pocket and turned up an aisle. No, no, you did not. Hmm, oh well. Today, I assign you to the mums. Mums? Amana looked back at the protective gear hanging on the pegboard. Shouldn't we wear gloves and stuff? Nothing to fear, my dear, nothing to fear. These are not the Mortifloria. These are much, much different. Delightful little creatures, yes. Magnificent, even. He stopped to the right of a listing pot. Such a naughty little girl, such a naughty little beastie. They're always trying to escape, you see. It is a wonder they haven't succeeded. One day, yes, one day. He laughed at his own joke, that horse-hissing laugh that made Amana simultaneously amused and nauseous. Forgive me, miss, I am a jokester. My dear mother once said, whatever shall we do with you, Laszlo? Whatever shall we do? Why are you acting so weird? Amana asked. Laszlo grew serious. Yes, people have always called me that. Weird. All but the missus. Never once. Are you familiar with the tale of the dwarf, the witch, and the troll? Like Harry Potter? Who? Never mind. Hold it, please. He righted another fallen flower. And we're walking, we're walking. So, the tale of the dwarf, the witch, and the troll. The dwarf, the witch, and the troll. Hmm. How does it go? Ah, once there was a dwarf, a naughty little dwarf, an evil dwarf, the naughtiest, evilest dwarf in all the land. Oh, my God. And this dwarf, he worked for a naughty witch, an evil witch, the naughtiest, evilest witch in all the land. It was such a delight. They took turns, you see, testing each other with their naughtiness and their evilness. They concocted spells, naughty spells, and they created things. Evil things? Yes, yes! Potions, elixirs, tonics of the variety strange and unusual. One day, they created the world's most naughtiest, evilest tincture, a tincture so delicious that if they released it, the whole world would quake at their feet. Unfortunately, a troll, the evilest, vilest, toadiest troll of all trolls, stopped them and, oh, here we are. Laszlo stopped in the middle of the aisle and put a single knuckle in his mouth, studying Amana's position. Could you he said, and he took a step to his right. Amana stepped to her left. And one more. They continued their dance until they both had their backs to the tables on either side of the aisle. This is the Mortifloria, Amana said. You said we weren't. Hold, please. Laszlo turned around to futz with a flower. Amana scanned the expanse of the hoop house, the flowers, the exit, a pair of scissors on the floor to one side, a red plunger on the table to Laszlo's left. I am most definitely sorry to have to do this, young miss, Laszlo said. Amana pulled the mask out of her back pocket. Do what? This. Laszlo slammed the plunger. The pump whirred to life under the floorboards. Viscous black fluid glurped out of the plastic tubes. The mortifloria stiffened, retracted, and exploded with yellow dust. Amana jammed her eyes shut. Hey, 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 Mungwort, the sequel to MPK is out right now in ebook, paperback, hardcover, and audiobook. I'm not going to read all of the places it's available online, but I'm sure wherever you are in the world as you listen to this, it is available. And if you still can't get it, go to silverhammer.studio and click on the contact me button and I'll see if I can get it out to you directly. Most likely I can. 
Can't wait to hear it? Don't want to go chapter by chapter? Pick up Mungwort today. And now, back to Mad Tales. A leg rotting on a bedspring. Blood and fluids dripping into a pan. Mortifloria shooting toxins into the air. An exploding mungwort ball. Skin sloughing off a face. Cece sat up with a cry. Or she tried to. She made it about an inch off of whatever uncomfortable piece of garbage she was lying on. But when she tried to pull her arms along with her, she couldn't. They were restrained. Chained. Chained to a rusty bedspring. Her ankles, too. Exposed beams above, an IV stand next to an oxygen tank, gleaming instruments on a medical tray, a body hanging from a meat hook on the wall. Was that Ben? She squinted, focused. No. Diego. She yanked on the chains, banging and screaming and straining as hard as she could, but all that did was make the springs poker in the back and legs and buttocks. Fuck! She screamed. Someone chuckled from a dark corner of the basement. Easy, butch. Don't strain your vag. Mueller, you son of a bitch! Mueller strolled out of the shadows, hand on the hilt of his knife, a typically snide leer on his face. His jaw was swollen and his left eye black and blue. Cece lunged and growled, but that only made him laugh. Them cuffs right there is 120-grade stainless steel. He held up his keychain and gave it a little jingle. You ain't getting out of those unless you got one of these. I'm gonna rip your fucking face off. No, you ain't. He stepped over to the IV bag and inspected the clamp, flicked the catheter, checked the spike. I swear to God, Mueller, try to put that shit in my arm and I'll take a chunk out of your fucking neck. Mueller sighed. He stretched his shoulders, his triceps. You know what? He slammed his fist into Cece's face with a heavy right hook. Cece's head rocked to the side, gashing her cheek on an errant spring. She snapped back with a grin, spat blood. Fuck you! Another punch, another gash. Her vision went black. This time, she left her head where it lay. Mueller smiled, rubbed his hand. That's right. That's what it feels like to fuck with a real man. Cece's shaking chest resolved itself into a full-on belly laugh. Real man! Mueller worked her midsection this time, aiming for her ribs. The air woofed out of her with each blow, fists thudding meat. He backed off after a moment, wheezing, his face red, sweat dripping from his chin. Cece took a long, hoarse insect of air that ended in a coughing fit. Then she started to laugh again. Mueller leaned over and yelled in her face, What the fuck are you laughing at? Cece spat blood right into his eyes. He jerked back. Fuck! He punched her one last time, a haymaker that caught her in the temple. Her head hit the spring again, and her eyes rolled back in her head. Still feeling funny? Mueller snarled. He snatched the spike off the IV stand and shoved it in her face. I'm gonna stick you with this. He grabbed her arm, spiked the vein, and wrapped some tape around it. Don't make me nail that down. He turned his back to her as she writhed, shaking his punching hand and taking a few turns to cool down. After a minute, Cece, through cracked lips and bleeding teeth, muttered, What's in that? In a line for you, Butch. Mueller pulled her cell phone out of his back pocket. What's your password? Go fuck yourself. I knew you'd say something like that. He disappeared into the shadows again, a metal scrape. He returned, waving a little pair of bolt cutters. Love these tiny ones. Perfect for them fence links and fingers. Cece clenched her fists. Mueller, Laszlo says I'm not supposed to maim y'all too much. Says it contaminates the tea. He stepped on Cece's wrist and unclenched her fist. Then he shifted his boot so only her thumb and index finger were showing. 
But Laszlo's a pussy. He fixed the bolt cutters to the base of Cece's index finger and snapped it off. Blood spurted. Cece screamed. Mueller picked the digit off the floor and pressed the pad onto the home button of Cece's phone. The screen lit up, showing all of her apps. Damn, I thought for sure I was going to have to get the thumb, too. He stowed her finger in his front pocket with a satisfied pat. Little souvenir from our time together. I'll post it on Yik Yak. Best summer of my life. Now let's see what kind of music you listen to. He scrolled through the app. Crap, crap, crap. What's this? Led Zeppelin? Butch Rug Muncher. I am impressed. Cece couldn't stop shaking. Her lips felt numb, her toes too. Blood spouted out of the stump where her finger used to be. Gonna bleed out. Warner don't like me to play my music down here. Says he can't think straight. But Warner's a sad old fuck. Mueller. I played him some Nirvana once. Do you know what he said? What's this guy so depressed about? I mean, come on. He tapped the settings icon. Now where is that speaker? Ah, here we go. A blistering guitar solo filled the basement, and Mueller held up his hands in mock reverence. There it is! Fender Strats and Marshall Stacks! Drums crashed in with a sonic wallop, and Mueller banged his head along in time. Cece gathered up her strength and screamed as loud as she could. No, no, not yet, Mueller said. Wait for the break. The music stopped as Cece's scream petered out, then came crashing back in as the singer wailed the opening line. Bam! Mueller cried. Fuck yeah! Come on, Butch, this is your jam! He finally noticed the blood pooling on the dirt under Cece's hand and grimaced. Well, shit, that's bad. Boss lady, kill me if you died. Here. He jammed the bolt cutters in his back pocket and took a tourniquet from the tray. You do anything stupid, I'll take the thumb, too. He tied off her wrist and patted her palm. Then he paused, gazing down upon her. You know, I don't necessarily like doing this. The job has its benefits, but this part... He waved at the machinery behind him, the barrels, the hoses, the pumps. The maintenance is a bitch, and the cleanup afterwards worse. Plus, most of you guys are actually pretty okay to work with. Like poor Sanchez up there. But he's grist for the mill now. He leaned over and put his hands on his knees, looked her right in her one good eye. But you? Boy, howdy. I'm going to enjoy watching you rot. Cece whispered something. What's that? Mueller said. She whispered again, and he leaned closer. Speak up, Butch, I can't. Cece shot up and chomped into his cheek with her teeth. Mueller screamed and pulled back. Cece clamped down harder. Blood spurted. She thrashed her head back and forth like a dog and tore a chunk of his flesh right off of his face. Mueller staggered backward, his hand flying up. You cunt! Cece spat the chunk out, laughing, her mouth and chin glassy with blood. I told you I was going to do it! Mueller threw himself at her, grabbed her by the shirt, and punched her in the face. Her head rocked back. He did it again. She stopped laughing at the third blow. He pulled his arm back for one more punch when someone yelled, Hey! Mueller twisted around. Amana was there, covered in blood, a shovel already swung up over her shoulder. Pendejo, she said, and she smashed him in the face. Mueller flew to the side and crumpled to the ground. Amana stalked over and straddled his body, raised the shovel up over her head like a championship golfer. Mueller held out his arms. Wait! Amana brought the shovel down in a sweeping arc, striking him in the temple with a sick crack. Mueller went limp. She stood there, panting, waiting for him to move. Amana, Cece said. Amana, help me. Amana stepped away from Mueller's body and took in what he'd done to her. Her eyes fell on Cece's hand. You need something to cover that. No, cut me loose first. How? Keys. In his pocket. Amana hesitated. Amana! Okay, okay. Mueller still hadn't moved. 
A mark in the shape of the shovel already turning purple had formed on his face. They watched and waited. Ten seconds, fifteen. His chest hitched, rose and fell. Back pocket, Cece said. Amana reached under Mueller's body with a grimace, worked the keys out. It took her a moment to find the right one, but she did find it and unlocked the cuffs. Left wrist, left foot, right foot, right wrist. She helped Cece sit up. Can you stay up on your own? I don't know, Cece said. I think I can. Amana turned toward the body of her father hanging on the wall. I have to get him down. Amana, we've got to get out of I'm not leaving here without him, okay? Cece held out her good hand. Okay, okay. Just wait here. I'll do it myself. The rope Mueller used to haul her father up to the hook was still looped under his armpits. It ran up through a pulley in the ceiling, then back down to a winch bolted to the concrete floor. Behind her, Cece limped over to Mueller's body and knelt, wincing. On his belt, her father's knife, still sheathed. She unbuckled the strap and took it out. Amana, she said, limping over. Let me help. They lowered him down faster than Cece thought they'd be able to. After she cut the zip ties binding Diego's hands and feet, she helped Amana turn him over, then limped away and leaned up against a beam. She closed her eyes and tried to focus on her breathing. The white noise of the basement was almost soothing. Amana's gentle weeping was not. She wanted to clean and dress the stump of her finger, but that wasn't an option. Her finger. That son of a bitch was still holding on to it. She half turned, half stumbled around, intending to retrieve it, and came face to face with Mueller himself. Blood coated one side of his face, and his swollen jaw was out of place. Bitches, he slurred. He backhanded Cece, sending her tripping back toward Amana, who stood and caught her. Mueller shook his head, trying to clear it. A rill of blood ran down from his forehead and into his eye. He wiped it off on his shoulder. Was you looky here? Gonna get myself a hat trick. Cece smiled, her teeth red with blood. She beckoned to him. Come on, asshole. You young cunt. Never knock a man out and leave him with his favorite weapon. He reached for his knife, and his face went slack. He looked at his belt, confused, and then, no longer confused, looked up. Cece was holding the blade out at him. Numb cunt, she said. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Mad Tales. Don't forget that Mungwort is out in ebook, paperback, hardcover, and audiobook. Listen to these awesome reviews of Mungwort. Joe Edwards says, Wow, this book kept my attention. You can really get into the characters. Noel really brings them and the scenery to life like you're really there and going through what these characters are going through and feeling. I love the way he writes. I almost felt like I was watching a movie, which would be a really good one. I love the ending. Well done, James Noel. Well done. Kevin R. Johnson states, Great believable characters, evil goons, badass female heroes, unexpected twists, gory sci-fi, awesome ending, loved it. My all-time favorite of Noel's books. Another Amazon reviewer states, Holy mackerel, this is the first book I've read by James Noel and it has me lost for words. Terrifying, exciting, twisted, and totally unique. It has very well-developed characters and is set in some sort of labor camp that's being attacked by the surrounding forest itself. And finally, Marie Isabel states, As a hiker, the plant-based creepies gave me the willies. That's all for now. Thank you for tuning into Mad Tales, and I will see you next week.
just survived another episode of Mad Tales.